So if you will turn in your Bibles to Psalm 25, 8 through 10. Psalm 25, 8 through 10. And I am going to present this word. I'm, I'm speaking this over myself efficiently and effectively and on time. And, um, but I tell you, it's so cool. It never fails that, um, that whenever you get into the word, uh, you get tickled. You, you get encouraged. You get charged up. You get excited. Uh, that's just the life and the power that's in the word. So tonight, what I want to talk to you about, and, and I, and I've asked Ms. Chloe, is this pr- proper grammar? But, um, I just want you, I want you to say yes. Okay. All right. We're going to try it again. And just say it like, like you really, like you really believe it. You know, you know, like yes. You know, when somebody asks you, are those your children and they're being good, you're like, yes. You know, if somebody asks you, is that your spouse? Yes. The answer should immediately be yes. You know, uh, if somebody asks you, is that your home? Yes. You know, and so when we know things for a fact, we're not like, how many of you have somebody's asked you a question? Sometimes your response could be like, eh. You know, notice that? Or before you're able to articulate, you're just, your facial expression already gave what you believe. Mm, mm, mm. You know? But God wants us to say, come on, just say yes. You know, as if LSU just won the football game. I thought some of you would be really passionate about that. Some of you don't really care, but that's okay. All right. So yes, but what, what is the next statement? Yes, God is good. Yes, God is good. And many times the enemy wants to take that yes out of our mind, wants to take that yes out of our speech, wants to take that yes out of our step of life to where we're. Is he going to be there to help you in times of difficulty? Well, yes. Is he going to be there to restore a broken relationship? Yes. Is he going to be there to forgive you of your sins? Yes. Why? Because he is a good God. So that's what we're going to talk about tonight. Psalm 25, 8 through 10. The Lord is good. And does what is right. He shows the proper path to those who go astray. He leads the humble in what is right and teaching them his way. The Lord leads with unfailing love and faithfulness. All those who keep his his covenant obey his decree. This scripture is not just saying the Lord does good. What does the scripture say? The Lord is good. The Lord is good. The very nature, the very character, the very deity of who God is, is good is good. We need to keep that on the the forefront, the top of our mind. Because in this this broken world and and because of, of sin's destruction, it never changes the goodness of who God is. Okay? And that can encourage us to continue on the journey of following him with our lives. Nehemiah, or Nahum, excuse me, 1 7 says, the Lord is good. When trouble comes, he has a strong refuge and he knows everyone who trusts him. You know, it amazes me that even Satan, even though he was defeated and he knows he was defeated on the cross by the blood of Jesus, the liar, the loser is still attacking the very character of God today. Still attacking. Satan does this 
He does this um, by uh, trying to bring doubt and lies into our very mind. Let me give you an example. The question will come to your mind. Will God, can God love me after what I did? Will he? Can he? The answer is yes. Why? Because he is good. Romans 8, 38 through 39. It says, I am convinced that nothing. Look to somebody next to you say nothing. That word nothing, guess what it means? Nothing. That's pretty deep. Okay. Anyway, nothing can separate us from his love. Death can't. Life can't. The angels can't. The demons can't. Our fears for today, our worries about tomorrow, even the powers of hell can't keep God's love away. Whether we are high above the sky or deepest in the ocean, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. So when the thought comes to your mind and the enemy is trying to bring doubt, is trying to bring fear, is trying to bring rejection, does God love me? Is he big enough to help me in this conflict? Is he big enough to help me in this situation? Does he have the wisdom to impart to me to resolve this situation? And the answer is, come on, say it again. And the answer is, and why is that? Because God is good. God is good. Will God, can God give me the direction with difficulty when I'm faced with it? Yes. Jeremiah 33, 3, it says, call to me and I will. He's promising. He's promising me not only yes and I, yes am I good, but call to me and I will answer you and I will tell you great and mighty things which you do not know. Why is he like, why does he do this? Because his very nature, his very character, John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. It's who he is. He cannot deny himself. He cannot be anybody else other than who he is. Who he is. Satan wants to place the question in our minds, is God good? Is God good? He wants to rob from us by with doubt so that we cannot see the goodness of who he is and who he wants to be in and through us. Third John 1, 4, it says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Are walking in the truth. Why? Because we'll experience who he really is. We'll, we'll, we'll know who he really, we'll be able to see, we'll be able to see him moving. Sometimes our doubt, you know what doubt does? It clouds our judgment. It, it, it taints our perspective to where God is moving and we can't even see it. And then doubt begins. It goes inside and then it comes out of our mouth. And we'll be critical of ourselves, of our circumstances, of our very destiny and plan that God has for our life. And we can, if we could just step aside and say, who on earth is this? Because if God is living on the inside of us, if the enemy can attack the very nature, the character of God, he's going to do the same thing on the inside of you so that you do not experience the fullness of his purpose and plan for your life. That's why he wants us to live in the truth. That's why he wants us to discover the truth. So that whenever we are faced with conflict, when we are faced with heartbreak, when we are faced with, I don't know how, I don't know if I can, go on. We can say, oh, but yes, because he is good. He is good. Y'all still alive out there? 
All right. Psalm one, uh, Psalm one thirty nine seven. Excuse me, one thirty nine seven seventeen through eighteen. I love this scripture. How precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They are innumerable. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up in the morning, you are still with me. If you ever want to doubt, is he still there? If you ever want to doubt, can I believe in him? Have you ever tried? How many of you went to the beach this summer? Anybody go to the beach? There's a lot of sand on the beach, isn't there? Try to count each grain of sand. Can't do it. His love, his love, his goodness is immeasurable. Okay? So three facts about God's goodness. Here we go. Okay, you ready? All right, look to somebody next to you and say, here we go. Y'all get ready. Okay. I'm excited about myself. Have a party up here. Okay? So three facts about God's goodness. One, God's goodness never runs out. Aren't you glad? You know? Aren't you glad? His goodness was established before time began. If our thinking and approaching God is, I wonder. I wonder if he is in a good mood due to what I did yesterday. I wonder if he would have time for me today. I wonder if he will accept me today. I wonder if he could have a plan and purpose for my life considering where I came from. And what I've done. It is not what you've done. It's not where you came from. It is who he is. He is good. I'm going to say that over and over tonight. He cannot deny himself. He is good. Okay. Revelations 1, 8. It says, I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I'm the one who is, who was, who is still to, I am the one who is, who always was, and who still is to come, the Lord Almighty. God's goodness is not determined by our goodness. God's goodness is not determined by if everything is lined up in the, in the, in the, in the world. God is good. Cause this world's good. Well, I'm not going to say that. This, this world is, is not going <laughs> to But God will still be good. He will still be on the throne. Okay. Psalm 23, 6. Love this. Love this. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life. Will pursue me. His goodness, who he is, he is love, is pursuing us. So that whenever we are faced with the, with the trials and the struggles of this life, we will not allow, we will not be paralyzed by doubt, paralyzed by fear. But we will be able to stand because he is good. Amen? All right. God is an eternal God. Therefore, so is his goodness. Come on, I'll say that again. God is an eternal God. Therefore, so is his goodness. God never stops being who he is. And God is not going away. Aren't you so glad? Sometimes the simplest truths can be the most powerful ones that we need to hear. Okay. He knows, our, I love to say, when I took this from, from Celebrate Recovery, uh, if you're not familiar with Celebrate Recovery, their hurts, their habits, and their hang-ups. He knows our hurts, our habits, and our hang-ups. It's not changing his mind regarding how he sees us, how he feels about us, how he thinks about us, and his plans for us. Isn't that good? It's not, 
it's not how his, uh, what we do, uh, whether we wake up and we have a bad attitude, whether we wake up and we failed that day, it is not going to detour his love, his goodness in how he sees us. Okay. Romans 2, 4. Do not despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance, and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance. Leads you to repentance. You know what that tells me about God's goodness? It doesn't matter what state I'm in. Mentally, emotionally, physically, no matter what state I am, he is still good and I still have access to come to him anytime. Man, doesn't that bring such confidence? Can that just bring such peace to our mind? That God is good. In John 8, 4 through 1. I love this story because as you as as I'm about to read this story, Jesus is so calm. He's so calm. You know? Um a crowd of people, it, it, it's intense uh, in the story that I'm about to read. But yet he's not phased. He's just chilled. He's not running. He's not, oh, Lord, I, I'm, uh, I hold on. I got to go, you know, um, to the garden to talk. About. He's just calm. Okay. He's unwavering in his goodness. Okay. Uh, a woman caught in the act of adultery, John 8, 4 through 11. Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives. But early the next morning, he was back again at the temple. A crowd soon gathered and he sat down and taught them. And as he was speaking, the teachers of the religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman they had caught in the act of adultery. They put in, they put in front of, they put her in front of the crowd. Teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the very act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say? They were trying to trap him into saying something that he could use against him. But Jesus stooped down and rode in the dust with his finger. They kept demanding an answer. So he stood up again and said, all right, I would love to have seen that right there. Okay, all right, guys. You seem to be doing a lot of commotion going on here. I see that there's a problem. Just very calm. He wasn't frazzled. Just very calm. He said, all right, stoner. But let those who have never sinned throw the first stone. Then he stooped down again and he wrote in the dust. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. Then Jesus stood up again and said to her, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, neither do I go and sin no more. His goodness never runs out, no matter what state we're in and faced with. No matter what state. God is not a God of condemnation. He will convict us and he will tug on our hearts, but he's there for us to experience the forgiveness and the life. And if we cannot place on the forefront of our minds, if we cannot place on the forefront, yes, God is good, doubt will weigh us down. And we will want to quit and give up. Okay? I love it in Hebrews 13, 5. Just, just listen to this. And, and whatever you're going through, just allow it to encourage you in your spirit. I'm going to read it from the Amplified Version. 
Let your character or moral disposition be free from the love of money, including greed, covetousness, lust, and craving for earthly possessions. And be satisfied with your present circumstances with what you have. For he, God himself, has said, I will not in any way fail you, nor give you up, nor leave you without support. I will not, I will not. I will not in any degree leave you helpless, nor forsake you, nor let you down. Relax my hold on you. I assuredly will not. He is a good God. No matter what situation you're facing, no matter what report that you got from the doctor, no matter what state a relationship is in, he is a good God and he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. It is impossible for him to do that because he is a good God. Good God all the time. Thank you. In Romans 8, 31 and 35 and 37, it says, Can anything separate us from Christ's love? Can anything? And the answer to that question in verse 37 is no. Despite all these things, overwhelming victory. Come on, somebody say overwhelming victory. I'll continue. Is ours through Christ who love us. God's goodness never runs out. Not in the state that we're in, not in the conflict that we're facing. God's goodness never runs out because his love, nothing can separate us from his love. Okay? So a fact about God's goodness never runs out. Fact number two, God's goodness is unchanging. God's goodness is unchanging. 1 Peter 1, 25, but the word of the Lord stands forever. I'm just going to read a couple of things just about, about his character and about his nature, okay? There is no lack in God. There is no lack in God. He cannot give any more, any less than he already has on the cross by his son, Jesus Christ. There's no lack. There's no lack. God is an eternal God. Therefore, so is his goodness. I said this earlier, but I'm going to say it again. Okay? God is not going to be wavered, break, or going to change his goodness based upon culture, calamity, or the continuing changes of mankind's opinions of him. And what mankind thinks that he should do or shouldn't do, God is still good. Okay? Uh I want to, I want to read th- this part and, and, um, and as I was reading the scripture, I was like, man, Lord, help me to understand this because I felt like that this was the scripture that he wanted me to use to convey this principle. Um, and so, uh, just in his grace, he's going to do that. So I just want you to process as I read this scripture, the principle and the application of where I'm going with it. Okay. You know, in 1 Corinthians 1.18, it says, For the word of the cross is foolish to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Now, how does that relate to the good, God's goodness is unchanging? Because God's goodness is not based upon what we determine is good as the church, but what God determines is good. God stood back, and I'm going to read this in just a moment, in Mark 12, 41 through 44. I want you to, I want you to see what did the Pharisees do? What was God's response? And what did the widow woman do? Okay. And then we're going to relate it to a principle. Mark 12, 41 through 44. Jesus went over to the collection box in the temple and sat and watched. He sat and watched. And the crowds dropped their money in. Many rich people put in large amounts. 
Then a poor widow came and dropped in two pennies. He called his disciples to him and said, I assure you, this poor widow has given more than all the others have given. For they gave a tiny part of their surplus, but she, poor as she is, has given everything she has. Now let's process this for a moment. This is, I believe, the truth that God wants us to hear today. It was her best. It was all that she had which made the gift of great value to God because it's what he was going to do for us. He was going to be our offering. Not was, but is. He is our offering. He is the sacrifice. He is the tithe for all mankind. He left the temple that day and he never entered it again. Jesus is God's best for us. His tithe for the church. The people of God today can experience his forgiveness of sin, his eternal life, his provision, his protection, and his unchanging promises by the unchanging work of Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross. Jesus is God's best for us. Jesus was not tainted with selfishness, pride, or lust like the Pharisee's gift was. But God's gift was sealed with God's promise with an incorruptible gift of Jesus so that we could experience life no matter what we face on this earth. Nothing will and can change who God is and the work that he did for us on the cross. No corruption can touch the incorruptible gift. That is why we can say God's goodness is unchanging. God's goodness is unchanging and that no one can undo the work that he did on the cross. Why? Because he was holy. Because he was good. Only he could do that. And as I'm reading this part, Lord, why? Why did he, not only did he, he, he stand back and he watched, but then he called the disciples over and he said, look at this. Look at this. I saw the scripture says about that. But I really believe he knew that's exactly what I'm about to do for the church. That's exactly what I'm about to do for mankind. I'm going to give God. God, I am his best. I am incorruptible. When he went to the, there was no sin. There was no selfishness. There was no pride. He said, well, yeah, Dixie, we know that. But the reason why is because that you and I can experience that life was because of that gift. Wasn't tainted, wasn't corrupted. Okay? John 3, 16 through 17, we know it. For God so loved the world, so loved the world that he gave. He gave. God's goodness is unchanging. First Peter 1, 23. Uh, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible seed by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. The work of the cross cannot be undone. The work of the cross cannot be undone. Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. You know, as I was, um, uh, this uh, memory came to mind, you know, as a child, I remember um, uh, watching The Price is Right. I don't even know if that show is still on. Is it even still on? Okay. But I remember as a child, I was watching The Price is Right, and, and there was different stages before you could even get on the stage. There was different stages, you know, but, uh, 
uh, one, there was a stage of you had to be chosen. Okay. Then there was a stage they had to call your name. Then as you were chosen and they called your name, uh, then they'd bring out a gift. Now, I'd love it because I'd watch the people's facial expressions. Everybody always wanted the big gift. What, the, what was the big gift? A car. Everybody, so you, so you can see them there and they're kind of like gripping their little station and they're like, I'm ready, I'm ready. And then all of a sudden, whenever the, the hostess or whatever would bring out, it'd be like dishes. And you can see their face going, you know, and some people, whenever they would give their big, there was, there was no excitement. They'd go, one dollar. They just didn't care. They're like, no, I want the big prize. But what was hilarious is they would trick them. You know, the prize is right, we trick them, trick them. They'd bring out the dishes, and then right, and then, and then just seconds later, here's the car! And they'd be like, ooh, and they'd get so excited! Why? Because they wanted the big gift! Because that big gift extended to them, added value to their life! Added value to them! You know, there was a talk show many, many years ago, and and uh, they would give these big gifts, and and it was a thing like you get a car, and you get a car, and you get a car, and you get. Yeah, y'all know what I'm talking about. You get a car. I want you to wrap your brain around this. On the cross, God is calling your name, and He has chosen you, and He has said, "You're forgiven, and you're forgiven, and you're forgiven." On the cross, God declared, "You're loved, you're loved, you're loved, you're loved." On the cross, God declared, "You belong to me, you belong to me, you belong to me, you belong to me." He declared that. And every day when we wake up in the morning and we feel like, I don't know if I can go on. I'm faced with this situation. I don't know if I can do it because this conflict is weighing me down. I'm exhausted. I'm weary. We need to not just say, yes, Lord, but yes, Lord, your goodness, your goodness will not run out. Your goodness is unchanging because it's who you are. It's who you are. And we can rest in that truth. You know? Because I'm going to tell you something. I like that car. That car's going to break. car's going to get old. Got to get another car. Got to pay insurance on that car. I got to put gas in that car. I got to put tires on that car. For now, I'm taking care of that car. But with his free gift, it's just given to us. Because he's good. Because he's good. And not only does it affect our life, affects our children and our children and our children's children. It's eternal. It's eternal. Psalm 86, 5. It says, Oh, Lord, you are so good, so ready to forgive, so full of unfailing love for all who ask your aid. He's a good God. Yes, he is. And last, God's goodness is accessible. Accessible. God's goodness is accessible. Hebrews 4, 4, 16. It says, so let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it. Let us come boldly. See, when doubt begins to seep into our mind, when inferiority begins to seep into when, when when we're just way down with just the weariness, just weariness. Many times we want to isolate, we want to be around nobody. I said, come on, come to me, boldly. Come to me, boldly. You have access. I paid a high price for you to have access. Come on, I want to talk to you. I want you to, I want you to, 
Whatever you need. Come on, I'm here. Because I'm, I was good yesterday. I'm good today. And I'm going to be good tomorrow. I'm here. I'm here for you. Okay? In Mark 5, 25 through 34, a story about a woman who uh, had had a hemorrhage for 12 years. So let's see her approach and God's response. God's goodness is accessible. And there is a woman in the crowd who had a hemorrhage for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal from many doctors and through the years <clears throat> had spent everything she had to pay for them, but she had not gotten, uh, had not gotten better. In fact, she was worse. She had heard, she had heard about Jesus. So she came up behind him through the crowd and touched the fringe of his robe. For she thought to herself, if I can just touch his clothing, I will be healed. And immediately the bleeding stopped and she could feel that she had been healed. Jesus realized at once that healing power had gone out from him. So she turned around in the crowd. So excuse me. So he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched me? His disciples said to him, all the crowd is pressing around you, Lord. How can you ask who touched me? But he kept on looking around to see who had done it. Then the frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and told him what she had done. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. You have been healed. You have been healed. God's goodness is accessible, accessible. Why did she wait so long? Why did she wait so long? What was holding her back? Was it doubt? Was it fear? Was it rejection? Was it pride? What was it? When she was face to Jesus, he did not rebuke her. He did not tell her it's about time. He did not say, I don't know if I feel like healing you right now. He did not say, I've been available all this time and you're just now coming to me. That was not his response. He accepted her by calling her daughter and declaring it to everyone that was around her. And he affirmed her by saying, your faith has made you whole. Her faith positioned her for what Jesus had already available for her because of his goodness. I'm going to say it again. Her faith positioned her for what Jesus had already made available for her because of his goodness. What are you walking through right now? What is something that is tiring you, that is weighing you down, that is making you vulnerable, that is making you weary? That you process in your mind, I don't know how much more I can take this. Twelve years is a long time to be sick. One thing about blood, there's life in the blood. You've got to have blood. And when your body is releasing, you're going to become weak. Your, your muscles will even, they'll want to cramp. It'll affect you in your mobility. It can affect you in your clarity of thought. Twelve years. Why did she wait? And many times we can... There will be so much conflict. And there will be so many things that we're dealing with. God said, I don't want you to wait. I want you to come to me. I don't want you to separate yourself from me in isolation. Don't let doubt of who I am detour you 
down the path that I don't have you, to, that I don't want you to go in. I want you to come to me because his healing and restoration is available in our families, in our relationships, his peace and his love. Why? Because he cannot deny who he is. He's a good God. He's a good God. So right now what I'd like for you to do is I'd like for you to stand. And I'm going to give you a visual of something. And I'd like for you to take your Bible. And I'd like for you to, if you have your Bible or, uh, or even if your phone is on, I just want you to, want you to put it in your hand for a moment. You know, everywhere you go, you're going to have a hand. Right? It's going to be with you for you to grab a hold, for you to grip things. So the application is how to grip God's goodness for our life. How to grip it. How to grip it. See, it's one thing if I try to place my finger right here, you know, I'm not going to have a very good grip. Someone can come and snatch it. Or if I even try to place two fingers like this, someone can try to come and they can try to snatch it. But the more that I began to wrap, see, he's given me this hand. He's given me this hand. Many times I say, God, I need you. God, help me. He says, I've, I've given you myself. I've, I've died on the cross. I gave my very, very best to you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. When you're going through conflict, when you're going through heartbreak, when you are weary, when you are tired and you're ready to give up, you're saying, I'm done. I'm about had it. I don't know how much more I can take. I'm like, God, I need you to help. He's like, I want you to get a grip. And he doesn't say that in a condescending way. This is what the grip stands for. One, to read the word of God. You got to get a grip on it. You got to get a grip on it. And the only way for you and I to discover the very character, the very nature of God, and to say, yes, he is good, is we've got to know his word. We've got to know his word. We have to know that even though we face many disappointments, even though we face many rejection in our life, he cannot disappoint you. He cannot fail you. We heard in Hebrews when he said, I will not, I will not, I will not. How many times did he, does he have to say, I will not leave you for us to get a grip on it. He loves us. It is impossible for God to be anything less than good. It is impossible for him not to love us because it's who he is. It is impossible for him to fail us. It is impossible for him to forsake us because it's who he is. So he is. And the more that we begin to receive and experience who he is, we become stronger. We become stronger. So one, how do we get a grip on God's goodness? Read the word. Number two, hear the word. Come on, we got to start basic. Hear the word. If I was to sit here and call somebody up and just use this state just to ridicule them, those words are powerful and it can stick on us. But when we begin to hear the word, oh, how he loves me. Oh, how more precious than, than the, the grains of sand. And when I wake up in the morning, he's still with me. It's like, it's like honey. It's like sweetness to our very soul. How do we get a grip on his goodness? Read the word, hear the word. Number three, think on the word. Think on the word. Think on it. Number four, speak it. Speak it. 
when you're having conflicts in relationships. And no matter what you do, everything seems to be going wrong. The enemy, recognize the enemy is going to try to bring condemnation on the very nature of who you are. You're worthless. Nobody likes you. You might as well give up. You might as well move. You might as well leave. Enemy, he just wants to dishovel your life. But as you begin to speak the word of God, for 12 years, that woman, she didn't give up. She said, I'm going. I heard. I heard that I can receive my healing. I heard that my life can be restored. I heard my marriage can be restored. I heard my children will discover Jesus. I heard there's a healing in my body. I'm going. I'm going. She wouldn't give up. Speak it. Because the work has already been done on the cross. He wants us to receive it. He wants us, he wants to remind us daily he is a good God. Because let me tell you something. The enemy is constantly going to remind you daily to try to twist and assort who he is not. And in order for you to stand strong and not give up, you've got to remind the enemy back, he is a good God. He has not failed me. He didn't leave me in the ditch. I could have died in that very moment, but he did not leave me alone. Remember your story. Where have, where did God bring you from? You overcome by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of your testimony. Some, some of us need to remind our minds, need to remind ourselves of the very goodness of God and what He's done in our testimony. Come on, speak it over your life. I was on drugs, but I'm not anymore. I was in this place, but I'm not anymore. Why? Because of the goodness of God. Amen? Read it. Hear it. Think on it. Speak the word of God. Now the fifth one. I want you to lock arms with someone next to you. Come on. Everybody have an arm. Look to somebody around you. If somebody has not locked in arms, find an arm. How do we get a grip on God's goodness? Read the word. Hear the word. Think on the word. Speak the word. Come on. I want you to say it. Come on. Read the word. Hear the word. Think on the word. Speak the word. Now there's the last one. Connect with believers obeying the word. Connect with believers obeying the word. Because let me tell you something. Ms. Cassie, Ms. Pastor Brandon, come see me for a moment. How many of you, when you were school kids and you would play Red Rover, Red Rover, send Jamie right over? What would happen? At one point, Ms. Cassie, you're in the middle. At one point, that opponent coming, they would see you locked. And they'd get to know you by you being locked. And the opponent would see us, oh, we can't go over there. Mm-mm. And then we would encourage each other. Come on, girl. Come on. She'll break our arm, but she's not getting through. Why? Because we're connected. You cannot stand alone. God works in the body and with people. When we're in a state of weariness, it's going to be hard to encourage yourself in the goodness of God. And he knows that. That's why he says, get connected with people who are obeying. You're weak. When you're weak, come on, they're gonna stand up and keep you strong. Amen.
Amen. Thank you, guys. So come on, we're going to say it again. Read the word. Hear the word. Think on the word. Speak the word. Connect with believers obeying the word. Now this is your application. I told you I was going to talk about life groups. Come September, it's your time to get connected. Come on now. We're going to have Wednesdays, October. It's going to be a whole time of, of uh, and the, the topic Pastor Todd is going to teach on, it's going to be on faith. It's going to help you. It's going to remove doubt. It's going to stir your spirit, man, of yes, God is good. Yes, God is good. So come on with your head bowed and your eyes. You can disconnect just for right now as a vision. Come on, if you came in here and doubts wanting to crowd your mind, the heaviness of life is wanting to weigh on your shoulders. Come on, God's going to refresh you with yes, he is good. Yes, he is good. If you say, Dixie, I don't know of this good God that you're talking about. I can identify with the adulterer. I can identify with the woman that's been away from God for so long. I can identify that I'm in that place now. But let me just tell you, he loves us and he accepts us all. He said, come to me. He wants you to be a part of the body. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, you say, Dixie, I have never known of that love. I have never known of that goodness. But I want to. I want to. Lift your hands and we'll lead you in a prayer. You say, I want to know of that goodness. Come on, let's repeat this prayer. Say, Jesus, I receive your forgiveness for my life. I ask, create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. Help me to see your goodness as I receive you as my Lord and Savior. In the name of Jesus. If you said that prayer for the first time, there's a, there's a card in your pew that said, I made a decision. Would you fill it out? And we have a gift for you. You can bring it in the lobby in the info center. For the rest of us. Come on. He is good. Would you say yes? Come on. He is good. Would you say yes? He never runs out. He's unchanging. He's the eternal life-changing God. And you're not alone. You're not by yourself. So if you have the ability to raise your hands. We're just going to sing this worship song. We're going to worship a good God. We're going to worship a good God. Because as we begin to worship, it stirs up our faith. And it will cast doubt. It will expose where doubt is. And faith will arise so that we can experience, we can embrace all the goodness of His love. The goodness of His forgiveness. The goodness of His help. Come on, that's for you as His children. Come on, let's sing it to Him.
forsake you. And we can praise him for that. Come on with your head bowed and your eyes closed. Let's just let us seal the deal. Holy Spirit, oh, we thank you. We thank you for the life that's in your word. We thank you for the hope that we have because of Jesus. Oh God, you, yes, you are a good God. The conflict, the frustration, the heartbreak that we face, the weariness, you are still God. Holy Spirit, I just ask right now with the sweet presence, with the sweet truth of your word, Father God, you would just remove doubt, remove fear, and you would refresh your people. Remind them of your goodness. Remind them you will never leave them or forsake them. Remind them that nothing, nothing will ever stop you from loving them. Holy Spirit, we praise you. We worship you and we thank you for this time. Lord God, may you protect your people. May your hand, may your blessings rest upon them. In Jesus' name we pray.